Alright, welcome back. This is uh, the four gentlemen here. We've decided finally on a name for our podcast. We've landed on Kingdom Conversation. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Kevin. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Chad and Caleb, and we've got a special guest, AJ, today. So I want to start us out doing something a little bit different this time. Uh, why don't we go around the room here and kind of talk about a little bit of a recap of our week. You know, my week um, came with a surprise. Come about this week or last week? This, this week. This week came with a surprise. Uh, I'm not at liberty to tell you exactly what it is because it's not my business. But I will tell you that it is a very big surprise, and it's very important. Um, but, on another hand... If you uh, can't tell us what it is, I've had a really good week at work, seeing as it's Monday. Um, and I'm glad that my daughter is over being sick. She mm-hmm. was just hit with mm-hmm. a wave of sickness last week. Uh, so she's been on a lot of medication and we got her all hooked up and she went back to the babysitter today and babysitter said she was having a great day so uh, let's move it on to Caleb and see what he's got to say man it has been a week I ain't gonna lie all of a sudden it's warm my boss uh, we've been outside building the pond and this has been a drought I've been getting dirt in my eyes I've had layers of dirt, I can like this, just and this make a big old dirt bug. I've got dirt in my teeth still. I can still taste it. Oh it's just that aftertaste, yeah. Sounds like a dirty week. Yeah, it was a dirty week because I had a dirt sandwich. But you know, <laughs> it's been a interesting week too. Uh, I almost, <laughs> I almost got in a car accident today. Mm. Sure did. Uh, I was going That's to. That's my fault. I didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I was heading to make a delivery and I had a trailer with me and you know this mind long business you know trying to be a good citizen sometimes <laughs> and um, all of a sudden I hear somebody blowing their horn like who's blowing their horn and I, I guess it was my fault I don't really know I was in my lane but I, all I hear is a car trying to merge on with me, and I hear it's it's cold, it's raining, and I hear this horns going. I'm like, oh my gosh! And this car almost hits me, trying to get in my lane, the lane I'm all, I'm already in. And I was like, oh, so this is Monday. It's just, we haven't even got to Wednesday yet. But, you know, at this that accident this morning, you know, everything's been good at work, you know. Trying to be a good citizen on the driving road, trying to not to ram people off, but, you know, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good not to run people off the road. Yeah, yeah it is good. Depends on who you're running off the road. That is true. <laughs> I almost wanted to do this person. That's why I'm not able to be a truck driver. <laughs> My brother, he, he does it, and he said it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah. All right, Chad, what about your week? <clears throat> um, last week was pretty difficult, but, you know, made it through. 
uh, my week's pretty much the same thing every week. It's rush, 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 get things done. If you don't get it done, people are irritated and frustrated at you no matter what you do. Um, and if you, if you get it done, they think, oh, that's done. Now I can complain about something else. Um, so, uh, story of life. The story of yeah. life. But we've, we're ahead of schedule on the house we have closing. Um, so we're closing a month early. And they, they're, they're super happy about their house. They've been want to move into, and we got it done faster than what we originally scheduled. So, you know, we've got all this other stuff going on here. So. Yeah, now I noticed on the way in, mm-hmm. like about halfway down, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, all I saw were the bones of a house. And then, you know, I come when I came by to pick up my cup, and then... I went by today and I was like, bro, they got that house up quick. <laughs> like, they're on the tail end of that one. Yeah, man, it's... <clears throat> sadly, we don't have the luxury of uh, just waiting around, rushing on our laurels and, you know, just moseying on along. We have to get after it and make something happen. If not, then we all start getting real skinny. Yeah. <laughs> AJ, what about you, man? It's been a pretty good week, I'm not going to lie. We're starting to come out of peak season at work, so everything's slowing down a little bit and we're able to catch a breather. Mm. Then the change in the seasons as well from summer to fall, which is my favorite time of the year. And you got the chill in there, football season's going. Tennessee won, my Cincinnati Bengals won. They did win. It's been a very good week. Cincinnati Bengals played the Niners, didn't they? Yes, they did. Cincinnati. Yeah, he's a Cincinnati fan. I gotta say, you know, no (laughs) offense to the Bengals, but I didn't see them in the Niners, so that was a was a good game. I saw it coming. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. If we're on sports, I want to just talk about one thing. Oh dear. Uh Oh. I told AJ this before. When was I told you this? I think Saturday. Talking about this is this is the Saturday before the. Broncos and Chiefs game. I told AJ in that car that I would not be surprised if the Broncos go and play the Chiefs and beat them. If I had, if, I originally wish I had a recording on that because <laughs> I texted AJ that. What did I tell you? Twenty four to nine. But I am sad about my Steelers. <laughs> I do say I am sad. We need to fire Matt Canada, and if he hears this, please. Do Please good. resign. Please resign. Because <laughs> our star, star quarterback is hurt. Oh, Kenny Pickett, how I miss you so. Oh, little <laughs> baby hands Pickett. Uh, well, he's better than Mike Trubisky. <laughs> this we can agree on. Yeah. I'm just still floored on the fact that there even is a Bengals fan. <laughs> I didn't know that they still, I thought they were extinct. <laughs> Look, you should, you should our, our playoff zone. wins have been extinct for about 30 years up to about three years ago you better not tell nobody else you're a Bengals fan because the, <laughs> the, the Memphis is going to come around with a shot color you, you better quit that I'm surprised we got Cowboys fans oh, oh, we got Cowboys fans in our church too mm, I'm not Cowboys fans, Cowboys fans are, are everywhere. they're everywhere you're just missing Aaron Rodgers no I'm glad he's gone oh <laughs> no you're a Packer fan. Uh, yes. I can't say much. Well, when I claim to be a pros. Fan. Why are you a? Why are you glad Aaron Rodgers is gone? Aaron Rodgers was. Kept, I mean, he was okay. So I feel like Aaron Rodgers is a really good quarterback, but he has no drive to win. Mm-hmm. He's selfish, you know. So he wins MVP every year, and that's good for him. 
but he doesn't ever do anything for the team. For you to be as good as you are and for the last five or so years, he's been statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but you can't even get out of the NFC playoffs. Yeah, but Bubba, who has he had to help him? I mean, the, the O-line is mediocre at best. There are receivers. He has Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, but he made them. Yeah. I mean, uh, Devontae Adams is very talented. Randall Cobb is garbage without Aaron Rodgers. This is true, yeah. Um, so, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I was a big Aaron Rodgers fan, um, but my favorite quarterback of all time is Peyton Manning. Oh, well, yeah. But Peyton always found a way to win. His his kryptonite was being in the same conference as Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. But my, <laughs> my only knock against Peyton Manning is the fact that he went to Tennessee. Rocky Top. If he, wouldn't, if he wouldn't have gone to Tennessee, he'd probably be one of my favorite players ever. What's wrong with that? I mean, you know. He went to Tennessee. They so, went to Tennessee. Peyton Manning beat up on Auburn every year. <laughs> oh, no. no, he didn't. No, actually, <laughs> they didn't hardly play. No. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I like Aaron Rodgers. I think I think he's a good quarterback. I just I just felt like after he started making all the money that he was making, his drive to be a team player mm-hmm. kind of tanked. Yeah, because how how would you feel if you get all of the all the credit, but also all of the damnation? This is true. It's a two, it's a double edged sword. If you <laughs> you have somebody. All the success of your entire team rests on your shoulders, yeah. even if your defense gives up 45 points. Yes. If you lose, it's your fault. If you win, it's your fault. This is a valid point. But so if they would, that would also kill my drive to win. If it don't matter if nobody else steps up and does their job. If I hit a receiver in the hands 15 times in a row and they drop it drop every it. time, yeah. then it's still my fault. I'm the one that threw the bad pass. Yeah. It's an incompletion on me. True story. Yeah, this, these are facts. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this, though. I like a lot. There were some players that really surprised me this week. One particularly, Will Levis, the backup quarterback surprised me. from Tennessee. I mean, how was he Kentucky. How was he surprising? Bro, did you that not dude, see his stats? That dude was a monster dude, in college. Bro, he was. was. When he went against Tennessee and only threw 67 uh-huh. yards, I think it was. Alright. <laughs> Let's look at Kentucky's entire roster. I mean, really, come on. <laughs> I'm just being, but for real, I'm just being honest with you. Will led the surprise between him and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson had a game. Did y'all not see his stats? <laughs> <laughs> that dude right there is the soggiest fart of all mankind. What? <laughs> Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. No, no. You no. know when he was at the Seahawks, they. Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll told the entire Seahawks team, if you have a problem with Russell, come talk to me first. Again, he's a wet fart. No, he's not. I would yes, take I would if I had I would take him and put him on Steve. I just think people think he's as, he's underrated. I'm just I'm gonna leave that Underrated? Underrated. He is the deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so look, we can bounce back for a quick second, and y'all explain to me what is the deal with Aaron Rodgers and his four plays and gets injured, and now he's out for the. Rest I believe of the it's season. artificial turf because if you look at yesterday, Kirk Cousins had the same injury. It's scripted. And yeah, it's, the artificial he turf is tears his Achilles. Surely mm-hmm. not. It was a strain. Oh yeah, because he's already back. He's already back walking. You don't. Kobe Bryant is the. 
most resilient person in all of mankind, um, in, in sports anyway. <clears throat> he didn't make it back from an Achilles injury for an entire game. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I treat Achilles tears weekly. Yeah, he was back walking in, like, two weeks. Yeah, I mean, that sounds to me, forgive me, that sounds to me like a prima donna. Like, oh, I hurt my foot, like, I'm going to take some time off. It's all scripted. It's scripted. I feel the NFL like, is the NFL is literally planned to a T. I say something. If you look at the Super Bowl logo I mean, each year, and this is why it I has a watch pro football. <laughs> if you look at this uh, Super Bowl logo, this may just be a conspiracy theory, but it has the colors of the teams that will be in the Super Bowl every year. Yeah. I've never noticed that. Oh, like like uh, when Cincinnati played the Rams, it had. Orange, blue, and yellow, all in the Super Bowl logo. And then this year, it's got it's like a sunset, so it's like the Chiefs. The Chiefs. It, it's got like either the Chiefs or Bengals. So it's kind of a or reddish Arizona. orange. It's the Chiefs. I swear, I thought that the 49ers were going to get the Super Bowl this year. I think it might be the it's 49ers and Bengals, the way the colors look. It's all scripted. They'll, they'll tell you it's scripted. I think because they'll. It, Every pro sport is rigged. Every single one. College, maybe. Maybe, possibly. <clears throat> they definitely want the certain teams to win or be more successful. Well, that makes it but, even sadder because that means that they've written the 49ers out of the script. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but, like, NBA, they have magnets in the balls. What? Yeah. Have no, you, no, 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 no. What? They have magnets no. in the basketball. Who, where do you hear this from? I, I, here's my opinion. I'm not saying you're wrong. I've just never heard but, that. But yeah, have you not seen how all of a sudden random players like Steph Curry comes out of Davidson and now all of a sudden he's the biggest thing since sliced bread? It's your marketability and the team you're on. If you have... If Clay Thompson and Draymond Green weren't there in Golden State... Steph Curry wouldn't be the greatest shooter of all time. You don't think so? I think he would. No, I because believe, it's not the it's not the marketability of it. I believe the Clay Thompson opened up a lot of shots for Steph Curry because he's a dual threat as well. I yeah. think that that magnet in that basketball opened up a lot of shots. Oh, for him. I don't think that's true, though. I don't know. Basketball is a lot harder than look it up. for them when to you, keep making it. Is when we get done with this, look on YouTube and look up magnet magnet and NBA basketball. For real, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. But also, the, the NFL's rigged because, okay, you mean to tell me that the script of every major comeback is teams are down 28-14, teams are down, hadn't scored in two quarters, all of a sudden now we're going to the two-minute warning, two-minute drill, and now the, the team that couldn't move the ball had 45 yards of total offense in the last two quarters, all of a sudden, <clears throat> all of a sudden can move the ball 100 yards mm-hmm. and win a game. Here's my thing. This one makes it. If nice you score. couldn't move it ten, if you were, if you went three and out, six possessions in a row, and now all of a sudden it's two minutes. Now I can go down the. It doesn't make any sense. What are you doing differently now? If that if you could have done that before, why would you, why didn't you do it before? They drank their Gatorade. That's true. Yeah, they drank Bugs Bunny secret juice. <laughs> That's exactly. No, it's bull garbage. Anyway, just, isn't this supposed to be a church podcast? Yes, yeah, we're yeah, talking we're about it's exactly. We're going to live with this. So, well, while, while we're on this, we mentioned uh, like players transitioning, like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, and so on. Uh, teams themselves transitioning. 
couple years ago, you wouldn't have thought anything of the Bengals. I'm saying that because I'm a Bengals fan. We've been we garbage did. since 1989. Nobody did think anything of the Bengals. <laughs> but now, all of a sudden, they become relevant. The team, Jacksonville Jaguars, mm-hmm. are now a relevant team when they've been pretty much non-existent since the early 2000s. Detroit Lions. That's after 2017. Detroit Lions. And it's... Every so often, you have a shift in the seasons as far as what teams rise up, what teams fall down. I believe that can transition over to the spiritual life in our seasons. When we rise up, we feel the strongest, and we also go through the seasons where it feels like life just drags us down, like we're losing every battle we go go into, when really those seasons are just learning seasons. Yeah. Learning where we're messing up. How can we do something? That, how can we do this different? How can we do that different? How can we improve on this? How? What can we give to the Lord in, in order to get something better in return? Mm-hmm. That's how NFL teams are always trading this player for this player, trying to get a draft pick here. They're trying to give away something so that way they can see what can they get in return. How can they benefit from sacrificing this this 10-time Pro Bowler. And a lot of times I see in seasons of transition in our life, it takes sacrificing something really major, something we've been holding on to that Lord's saying, it's time to let this go now. And it may just be, and Isaac, Abraham had to take his son that was promised to him for years and years, take him to the top of the mountain to be ready to sacrifice him. But right when he was ready to give that up, God said, I just want to see if you were faithful. You don't really have to give that up. But now I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you this promised land. And I'm going to bless your children. And you shall be a father of many nations because of that faith. Well, I mean, I think it, you know, it really, I think it really boils down to uh, learning how to be faithful even in the valleys. You know, yeah. so inevitably in life, we're going to go through, you know, ebbs and flows. We're going yeah. to go through, go, we have to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. I mean, you know, we can take probably the mo- one of the most famous stories in the Bible, you know, with Joseph. Mm-hmm. You know, his brothers wanted to kill him. You know, he, he had a dream that said, hey, you know, I'm going to be, I, I, have, I have a dream of all of these people bowing down to me. I have a dream of, you know, What's being, being a leader. That story gets me. That story really gets me. Because, <clears throat> alright, think about it in context of that story. If him telling his brothers about a dream that he had, about him being a king, would only be a dream, and it would be passed away if he didn't live in favor from his father. This is true, yeah. But the only reason why it mattered to his brothers is because how he lived his daily life in the favor of his dad. He, his brothers felt less than because of how his dad treated him. It's true, yeah. I mean, he was already set apart before mm-hmm. you know, he had those dreams. But I mean, I think that that was... I believe that, that, that even if you kind of dive into that a little bit deeper is, you know, I feel like that was already orchestrated, though. You mm-hmm. know, like, yeah. somehow along the lines, you know, Joseph was already chosen and predestined to be a king. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so he was given, he was provided with that separation from his brothers from an early age. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to prune him and in order to, you know, to mold him into who he needed to be to be a king, mm-hmm. to have self, you know, have self confidence and things mm-hmm. like that. Now, see, and I think that you know by using that story. Going through the seasons of life, like I was yeah. saying about going through mountains and valleys, is you know, I think that he was already set up with self confidence mm-hmm. so that when he had to go through the pit and he had to go through the prison and yeah. he had to spend years and years and years of his life going through turmoil and sadness and you know, adversity in order to become who he became in Egypt, yeah. you know, I don't know that that you could survive that if you didn't have not only the dream that God gave you and the faith that you had, the promise that God gave you and your, the faith in the promise he gave you, but you also have to have a modicum of self-confidence. Like, not only did God tell me I was going to be a king, but I believe I'm going to be a king. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. the confidence that no matter what comes before me, I serve a God that's given me a promise, and I believe it. Yeah. You know, because you could, I could tell Chad right now, you know, that I had a revelation from God that said that he was going to be a pastor of a church that had, you know, 5,000 members. But if he doesn't even have any inclination that he's going to be a pastor, you know, and he has no confidence in being the pastor, he has nothing, yeah. no groundwork put in, he's going to look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. You know? He's like, that's the furthest thing from my mind because, yeah. and he may even look at me and say, well, that's really neat that you had that, that dream, but I just so happened to have had a dream that God told me directly that I was going to be a missionary. So, who's right? Who's right? right who's Could both be right. Um, but another thing that, cause the, <clears throat> that really caused attention about that story is that how the, it, the exact inverse of that story, of those seasons of his life happen back to back. He, there's no transition period for him. Like in regular um, annual seasons and, and the weather and stuff, it, there's a transition period between cold to warming to hot to to cooler to cold. And the vicious cycle happens. <clears throat> but in Joseph's story, there's no transition period. It goes from abordinate favor, abhorrent favor, to wretched solitude and persecution to another abhorrent favor. Like, it, there's no transition period between where he had to be strong enough and had to have enough mental fortitude to, to weather each season and not go from Okay, yeah, this is getting better. This is getting better. Oh, things are looking a little worse now. It's, oh, my life is awesome. I'm really highly favored, too. I really admire his faith in that season because he had a promise from God, and when he was going through the pit, he held on to that promise. Mm-hmm. He said, even if this doesn't go the way that I want it to, I know this going to work out because his promises are yes and amen. Right. He said, I know that he came through for Abraham. He came through for Isaac. He's come through for everybody so far. Going all the way back to Noah. He gave Noah a promise that he would save him and his family. And he came through. So I believe Joseph was looking back on those promises on the previous generations of his family. And just held on to the fact that God's always come through. 
He always will, that's for sure. Um, but season, <clears throat> I like talking about seasons and stuff like that because it, it, it's in every Bible character you think of really is uh, has the seasonal periods, you know, because we're talking about human characters in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to have ebbs and flows and, and a roller coaster ride of life. Um, like Samson, for example. Samson was just a <clears throat> a lowly villager. Had his own covenant with God, and he kept his covenant, and he was favored through it. All of a sudden, he started garnering attention. And then that attention brought him something else that he didn't need to have. He had a season of distraction mm-hmm. and covenant breaking. You know, and right there it is, Samson, you know, you know, that's you know, Samson did not have to go there that season. You know what I mean? And he had a choice. He, he had a choice. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like that's what some people do sometimes. They like they know, because he 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 was if he was wise to listen to his mother. You know, mm-hmm. when when his mother was told that she was gonna have a baby, and you know, she not drink none of these things. She she was she was given specific rules. Touch not the unclean thing. Mm-hmm. And you know. His, Samson's mother had a barrier for had that barrier for Samson. Yeah, I love the story of Samson. And yeah, yeah I do too. too. I love the story of Samson. Because if like for example <clears throat> I love the story of Samson yeah. because it shows the humanity of it. It's it's yeah. you know, the shows but, shows that you don't have to make tremendous mistakes mm-hmm. to fall. Yeah, and you can fall in in the in the period of prosperity that you're supposed to have. You can fall out of nowhere. So like whenever he touched the deadline, he wasn't doing nothing wrong. He wasn't venturing out in an, into no man's land. He was well, he was in a vineyard. But 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 what, what this, and that's what you know what would have happened if Samson didn't did the things that he was supposed to obey to like what side of the story what kind of a season would he would have gone through like you know you know what I'm saying like what's the different <clears throat> perspective of that if this we story? wouldn't be talking about it. Absolutely. You don't think so? We wouldn't be talking no. about it. No. No, because it takes away all the humanity. It, it's no longer a story. Now it's just a a a legend of perfection. This is right. who he is. If it you does, look at the majority of the major major uh, people in the Bible, they all every story it told you about their flaws. Moses murdered a man. That's right. Moses uh, Moses was slow in speech. Peter had anger issues. You had Matthew the tax collector. You had uh, Thomas the doubter. Yeah, all these people, David and uh, the adultery, Solomon going to the many gods of his wives. David and a lot of stuff. Yeah. Every single one, <laughs> it shows their flaws. Yeah, I, was, I think a common theme in all of the stories of the prominent characters in the Bible, you can go back, and I, you can almost quote me on it, that you ha- there has to be a fall. Yeah, it has to, to be. fall and that's in season. order to get redemption. You know, and Except for one. <laughs> hey, why they say this? Jesus went through a season. Yeah, he went through seasons. Like, I like how Pastor Justin talked. He said at first was, you know, how do you play? He said uh, first he was he was put to dead. Then the third day he was resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, from the day he was born to all the way to his crucifixion, you don't think he. The difference is, but, Jesus knew his timeline. But still, you don't. There was times that put a toll on him, though. Oh yeah, in the for garden. sure. 
I mean, yeah. He, he literally sweat blood. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, over in Matthew 14, right after John the Baptist was beheaded, I believe it's Matthew 14. And the scripture says that he went to be in a desert place. Matthew 6. Uh, and it says he went to be in a desert place. The word desert right there in the Greek is a remos. And that word means to be alone, a solitary place. So he just went to be alone, but the multitude of people followed him. They went around the mm-hmm. other side of the lake on foot, and they met him there. And when Jesus went over there, the difference between us and him is he saw the multi- uh, multitude of people still there that he tried to get away from for a period of time. Yeah. But he had compassion on them. And the scripture says a couple verses later, he healed all their sick, mm-hmm. and then he went on to feed the 5,000. Yeah. But he also he knew his timeline so well. Like the first miracle ever did, he said, "It's not my time yet." It's not my time yet. So he, he, that's the difference that, that we go through is we don't have any clue what's coming next. Mm-hmm. I don't know what my time is because if I'm if I think that my season isn't here yet, but God's telling me, "Yes, it is. I've prepared you. I've brought you this far. It's time." But yet I'm full of doubt. Then that's not the right season for me to be in. Right. But if it's not, but if it if it's not time, and I'm overzealous, and I'm overeager, and now I'm jumping the gun on things, and now I've got myself into a mess that I could have been, could have been prevented if I just listened to the voice of God. I, I didn't, but it's crazy how, and I think where we're all getting is how a lot of people in the in the Bible have gone to different seasons in their lifetime to come to their full potential at the very end of their story, like Job. Mm-hmm. You know, well, yeah, we all I mean, know the story. There though. has to be a build-up for before they can blow. And that's how, and that's and that's in, in our daily lives. We don't all go through the same season. My season is different from AJ's. My season is different from Kevin's and Chad's. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. And I just find it crazy how different seasons seasons affect us. That like, what I'm trying to say is like my season can like affect an area that I'm not good at. And like, is a season that you're good in a thing you're good at. You know, and I find that crazy, you know, like, how every, like, the disciples and everything, like, they're all human, and they went through different seasons, and I feel like those seasons helped them build in areas that they struggled in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I believe that God tailor makes your valleys and your seasons of building. He, I think, I feel like he tailor makes them to edify you in the places mm-hmm. that you that you're you're lacking, struggling. You know that you're struggling. Yeah. It must if be. you were going to give, I'm sorry. If you were going to give somebody, if God was going to give you a a season of growth in, let's say, something I'm really good at. I'm really good at you know communication with people. I love to talk. You know, I can talk for hours on end about nothing. I can talk to a brick wall and make it talk back. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, if so, that's something that Moses struggled with, right? He mm-hmm. was not a talker. He was like I. I stutter, I can't talk, I can't, how, how am I ever going to lead these people, you know, if I can't even communicate with them effectively. But, so God's not going to give me a season where he edifies me in the ability to communicate and to effectively talk to people because that's something I'm already good at. Mm-hmm. Instead, he's going to find somebody like Caleb, I'm not picking on you, but somebody like Caleb who starts out shy, you know, and then he has to open him up and get that out of him. And then once he once he gets familiar with you, that he becomes more communicative. He's going to find somebody like that and say, you know what, 
this is where you struggle. So I'm going to put you in scenarios. I'm going to put you through a season where you have to use that skill. You have to, you know, develop that so that you can be more effective in my kingdom. Yeah, it's strengthening by fire. <coughs> it's similar to my story because uh, I was called to preach when I was 15 years old. And I hated getting in front of people and speaking. I hated it. And I originally ran from it. Until three years ago when I came back to Christ and the Lord put that same calling right back on my life. I was like, Lord, I don't want to do this. But now he's propelled me into a ministry that I feel like I'm starting to see quite a bit of fruit from as far as the youth and the youth group and everything. I'm starting to see life surrender, starting to see them be, become confident in their callings. And I'm seeing now that, as always, God was right and I was wrong. Yeah. I just had to go through the uncomfortable seasons. It's like when you're washing clothes on an old washboard. you got to put a lot of pressure on those stains to get them out. Mm-hmm. And once, if you do a good job putting enough pressure, then that stain will be gone. You'll have a clean garment. Yeah. But have you ever seen people tempering metal and iron working and forging yeah. and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's so cool, right? But I think it's really analogous to, to the Christian situation. And, and the toughest metals are the ones that are heated up, flattened out, folded, heated up, flattened out, folded back over again, folded in on itself. And then it can go so far as to heat it up, put in a vise, and then twist it and twist it. To where it's literally where what, what what was once straight is now in a spiral pattern. I think it's really cool the process in which we can go through situations like that where it's like, oh, I was just sitting there minding my own business, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I'm sitting there surrounded and engulfed in flames, and all of a sudden now, now somebody God is using that 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 excessive heat, something I'm not used to, something I can't handle by myself. And now all of a sudden. Okay, I finally get a break. And now he's beating on me till I'm flattened out again. Yeah. I like how you, I like how you said that. Like when you said it started twisting. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that seasons will do to you. It will stretch you. Oh, yeah. Seasons oh, yeah, will stretch you. Sure. There's been seasons in my life, like, Lord, like, push you to your, it's like you've been pushed to your limits. And, like, it's like that breaking point. For sure. You know what's so neat about that, though? Like, using that analogy, you know, is. It's kind of like where Chad was going with that, and I'm not sure if he said it directly, but to be a little bit more direct about it is, it's just so neat that you can take something like a piece of raw iron ore, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and then after applying a tremendous amount of pressure and a tremendous amount of heat and, and working with it, you know, in a more malleable state, you know, you can, you, you, you end up getting something that is completely different than what you started with you know yeah. I watched the other day I like I love watching blacksmithing videos I think mm-hmm. they're so neat you know and I, and I get on TikTok every once in a while mm-hmm. and they've got you know they have to break it up into parts and I found myself like watching this being enthralled in this guy making he made a, a samurai sword from nothing mm-hmm. I mean he just took a giant piece of metal mm-hmm. and you know like like Chad said he folded it over and heated it and beat it and folded it over and heated mm-hmm. it and beat it and mm-hmm. next thing you know, I'm I'm 
enthralled in this. I get to part four, and it's starting to, you're starting to actually see the edge on this sword. And then he has to go back in and apply like this weird material on the bottom to be able to differentiate between the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get that that wavy looking sheen on the bottom of a katana. I don't know if you guys have seen mm-hmm. like how it looks different on the bottom. Mm-hmm. But he applied this weird like mm-hmm. secret material that he put on there to be able to get that sheen and then puts it back yeah. in the water. And it was it was just so neat and I, mm-hmm. that's really comparable to what God does to us because, you know, I was called um, I remember telling Caleb this when I was still going to uh, the outpouring. Uh, when Andrew and I came back from Mexico, um, I was sold on the idea. You know, I prayed about it and prayed about it, and God told me that I was going to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a a large uh, point of contention between my wife and I because I don't feel like I'm just meant to be a missionary. I feel like I'm meant to be a missionary in the places where other people won't go. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like India or the Middle East, like places where if you get caught, mm-hmm. like brother, that's the end of it for you. Yeah. You know, but the thing about that for me is that if we don't do it, who will? You know, the Bible mm-hmm. tells us that everybody before Jesus returns, everybody will have heard the name of Jesus. Yeah. They will have heard mm-hmm. of yeah. the Son of God. But if if it's meant to be, it will be. There will be yes. there will be doors opened up so wide that all you can do is walk through them. Right. Especially putting your life in danger. Yeah, and so, and I think that the, some of the seasons that I've had to go through and some of the mistakes that I've made, you know, in the church, out of the church, you know, they have, they all serve as a catalyst to, to help Absolutely. develop me into the person that I need to be to fulfill that role because you mm-hmm. can't just send any missionary to the Middle East. You right, know, that's right. right. You can't just say, okay, well, I was a missionary in Mexico for five years and... I was the translator. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, good. Well, now you're going to head up a mission to, Mm -hmm. you know, Saudi Arabia. Good luck. Yeah. You can't do that. So you have to have somebody. There has to be a, there has to be a building process. There has to be an Mm -hmm. edifying process. It reminds me a lot of, uh, over in the book of Acts, whenever the disciples and Apostle Paul first got sent out, Christ didn't just send out any of the 5,000 that he fed. He had certain ones that he trained up that he sent the Apostle Paul, which is the one that had the most dedication to fulfilling his uh, his uh, journey before Christ. So he saw that once he surrenders to me, he's gonna do he's gonna serve me with everything he's got. And Paul went on, no matter what the tribulation was, he kept pushing through. And he was able to minister to, to the one in the uh, in the jail cell when it was him and Silas. At midnight hour, the jailman uh, ended up getting saved. One of the baddest of the soldiers. Yeah. He said, "Look, this this us for real. I'm a surrender. I don't think anybody but Paul and Silas could have reached him. Right. Mm-hmm. I believe that's why they were there, and maybe not Peter, maybe not John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have our own our own destinations to get to, as far as where we're supposed to minister, and each one of us are called to a specific area." Because there's specific souls in that area where only we can reach. Yeah. yeah. Whether it be Saudi Arabia or Mexico, I can't speak very good Spanish, but you're very fluent in Spanish. So that's an open door for you to minister to people that I can't minister to. Mm-hmm. And I believe God's allowed us all to pick up on certain things, such as 
I might be able to might be able to relate to somebody that's way out in the country that I can understand their lingo, and I can't really relate to somebody that's in the uh, in the city, yeah. as uh, some of y'all might be able to. Yeah. Just different callings and different destinations. <clears throat> I find that really unique. Well, I'm not going to say that God ordains, you know, for people to, to do dumb stuff that they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that God said, yeah, please, by all means, go and do uh, <clears throat> some messed up stuff. Um, but I think that, I think it's a, whole, a lot easier to reach people where they're at if you've been there. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, I, I was out of church for a little while, for about two and a half, three years, and <clears throat> I grew up in the church. I grew up in a very strict, down south, Pentecostal, me and Justin have, and Caleb kind of have the same background. I don't know if you were, if your parents were in, this, in the same denomination, oh, yeah, we were. Um, whenever you were growing up or not, but, um, yeah, me and Justin had kind of a similar background, and, and now, I can I can relate a whole lot more to the position I was in before I got out of church, and I can relate to people that were in the same position I was when I got out of church, and now I can probably talk to people a whole lot better because I know where they've been, and I know where their mind's at, and um, like, for example, there's a guy that works for me, and he, um, <clears throat> we were sitting there talking, and we talked for about a good 35, 40 minutes about, you know, he said, I don't believe in God because I don't believe in what he allows to happen to people. I don't I don't believe in a God that's, that, that allows all this messed up stuff in the world to happen. He's like, God allows it. I don't ordain it. And, and I could I could relate to him because I've been there. I've had those conversations with myself. I've had I've had the questions in my mind, and I still have questions that I can't answer. Um, but like it's we we talked we talked and we talked and um, and we talked about seasons. We talked about how the ebbs and flows of life and about where we are, and, and we talked about the correspondence of. How um, people always say people will relate seasons to. Uh, Geographical locations. They look like seasons to mountains. They look like seasons to deserts, or valleys, or <clears throat> you're in the garden. You know where it's bountiful and fruitful. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing is, God doesn't allow it to just be one thing. It's you're right when you compare it to all of it. You can sit there and walk from one end of the world to the other. And it can be representative of your entire walk with Christ. Yeah. As you can be in a desert and dry place. There's no source of water around. And there's only one way of describing that. You are in the desert. And you can be walking up the side of the mountain too. Where it's cold. There's no sense of abundance there. I'm, I'm cold and it's been a struggle. I'm walking it up. And then when I get to the pinnacle of the mountain, I'm going straight downhill. And there's no signs of stopping. Yeah. But there's also the times where you're sitting in the garden and now <laughs> you have a ton of things that, that you can rely on and you're being blessed and highly favored and now you have fruit abounding. And I, I just think it's really cool how people describe it exactly how it is, but it's also every bit of, it's correct in every single form of fashion.
And you can be just as much out in the cold as you can be stranded in the desert. Yeah. It doesn't have to be linked directly to one particular geographical location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I've noticed a lot is like, it's often in seasons of beauty in our life where we think we're going through the best season, like in the garden, like you were saying, when the storms of life hit the hardest. And I look at it almost like, well, we, we live in the South. Mm-hmm. Around around fall, around mid-fall every year, or mid-spring, when you see all the colors, all the beauty. There's also a bunch of tornadoes, there's hurricanes hitting, mm-hmm. and it's some of the most destructive storms. Mm-hmm. But they come in times of beauty. And I believe that, especially in fall, is get rid of all the excess sticks, all the excess... Stuff that's no longer necessary on the tree yeah. to make uh, to make way for the new flowers and new leaves to bloom in spring. Mm-hmm. And the winter, I believe, is just a resting period because mm-hmm. when you're pushing yeah. forward, pushing uh, pushing so much in the summer to bring forth leaves, and you're finally letting go of everything. A lot of times, after you just after you're pushing and pushing and pushing the seasons of life, you get tired, you get yeah. worried, and you just want to sit down and rest. Without the death, there is no new life. Yeah, exactly. So uh, unless all the acorns fall, no new trees are planted. Yeah, uh, right. And I think that it's uh, I think that it's prevalent to uh, to say that you know we as four believers have a a fair grasp on yeah. on that concept, right? Mm-hmm. But for all of the people that listen that are going to be listening to our podcast, you know, in theory, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, this gets out, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I want to I want to give like a moment of of encouragement, you know, because the the cold hard fact about it, the whole hard, the cold hard truth about it is that, um, and the beauty of it is that God designed the seasons in our world to change, right? Mm-hmm. They no matter what we do, no matter if we sleep every day or if we work every day or if we try to tr- drive from here to California, nothing we can do. If we take the batteries out of our clock, nothing we can do is going to stop, you know, spring from turning into summer and summer from turning into fall and so on and so forth. And I think that that is, I think that it's synonymous with our Christian walk. Like for any people that are going through a hard time when they hear this message from us, just this candid conversation that we're having, I want to make sure that they understand that you know, your Christian seasons are inevitably going to change. You can't stay in. I don't believe that God will leave you in a season of pain or building forever. Like, it has to change. So, you know, I know that, I'm not trying to take it really dark, but I know that suicide is a really big thing in -hmm. this world. And a lot of times uh, people give in to that because they feel like they're in a place that that they can't go anywhere else. They can't go up. They can't get any better. This is as low as it's going to get. And that may be true. You know, you may very well be in the absolute lowest that you've ever been. Um, But the beauty of it is that you you can't stay there. It's just not possible. I mean, as the days go by, the Lord has countless promises in the Bible for each and every one of us. Even... Even non-believers at some point are going to go through a change in their season. Right. Now, they may not be able to attribute it to God doing that for them, 
but God loves us as a race, as a, mm-hmm. as a as the human race so much that even if you don't believe in God, He's willing to put a modicum of blessing on your life. Mm-hmm. You can't be in a season of yeah, yeah. of rebuilding forever. That's right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm te- I'm living testament of that right there in front of you. This past year, um, uh, before last Christmas, this pa- the past year before that was the worst year of my life. Uh, I was depressed and anxious all the time. All I wanted to do was go home, lay down, turn my brain off, and be done. And at the time, I was making a little bit of money, had a house that I was paying for. house payment wasn't big. I was a little 1300 square foot house, and I was paying 700 bucks a month for no problem, <clears throat> but I was unfulfilled. I didn't. I didn't enjoy life. I was looking for other things to fill my time and um, keep me distracted. But uh, it was awful. But then when I uh, I finally got fed up and I I prayed and I said I hadn't prayed in a whole year. Um, hadn't even thought about looking at, looking at the Bible. Um, and I, I finally. Got fed up. I said, "Okay, God, I'm sick of it. I'm done. You tell me what to do next." And that same day, my aunt take, called me and said, "Hey, uh, just I was thinking about you. Um, we're having a church service uh, Sunday. Our church starts at ten forty, ten thirty. You know, ten forty-five." Said, "Okay." Um, I said, "Didn't think nothing of it. Went, and then I went. Then I didn't go. Then I went again. I didn't go. And then that that's." Seasons slowly but surely started changing, and where that one service turned into two services, that two services turned into four, and I started getting more consistent. The more consistent that I got, and I'm not saying that it's church that did it. It's not church that did it. No. It's, it's, it's relationship with God. My my outlook on life started changing, and slowly but surely I started the plan that God wanted me to do. Sort of. Fall, falling back in line, and I, I started my mindset started clearing up. Yeah, um, my life started getting better. I started making strides in the right direction, and in a bunch of different areas of my life, I started putting down things I should put down. Um, my my language started changing, my mentality started changing, my habits started changing, and um, where I thought that. Life is just not fun anymore. I went from that to now I'm in consistent, and now I'm in in a better position. Yeah, I like how what we were saying, how AJ was saying, like something about the seasons. Like what you see, is you just you haven't prayed over a year, but that one prayer, and you know, you know, like like AJ saying, you know, fall may look beauty, but you got to think the other perspectives. Like you got storms and everything. And I feel like that's what some people need to realize. When you're going through a season, it's it's not you got tools, you know. With you know, we don't get tornadoes a lot of, but we get bad weather. And but there's this thing called preparation. What you're not just gonna sit there and let the season take over you. Mm-hmm. That's why it takes. You see people okay, they got storm shelters. They get everything prepared mm-hmm. before a season. Mm-hmm. And that's what sometimes Christians, people in life need to realize that I got tools I can use, mm-hmm. and I feel like some people lose that what they what they lose. Okay, I I can pray. I got a father that listens to me mm-hmm. every day in this season. I got a word that he put 
in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, and, like, that's times when I always forget the basic stuff. That's why we always say it's a it's a daily devo- devo- devotion to pray, to read, to yeah. keep, to help. You cannot make it through a season if you don't put your faith in God. Yeah. And it takes discipline to push through that. It does take discipline. Yeah. And I've, and there's been moments in, like, this couple, most, I, I've been through some seasons where, like, I feel like I can do it on my own. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and there's this, and and there's this song I like to, like, Brandon Light, it was called Gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when I throw it, all I can do is throw up my hands mm-hmm. and praise mm-hmm. you again and again. Because all I have is a hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And that's something, it just takes that, that one moment through that season, okay, I'm, and sometimes that one second that God can respond to you and knowing that I can make it through the season. Yeah. You know, we, sometimes we think our season is bad. There's others that have been through way worse. Oh, yeah. Way yes. worse. Jesus died on the cross. He did not have to. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he, he went through a season that nobody else could have went through. And sometimes we always think this could be way this what I'm going through could be way worse, way worse. And there's somebody out there going through the season where I, they may have lost a son at a young age, or they lost a they had something desperately happen to them. And sometimes we just think, okay, my situation ain't nothing compared to theirs, and but I still make a big deal out of it, you know. But I like how AJ's there's beauty on the other side. Mm-hmm. There's always beauty in a storm. And if you realize in those stormy seasons, it's starting in fall. Seeds are falling to get planted. Mm-hmm. In the spring, when the other storms are coming through, you see the growth of the spring. Yeah. And as we were talking about earlier, go- going up against the fire. There are many seeds, a lot of them out in California, where there are a lot of wildfires. I was watching a documentary here, probably six, seven months ago, and it said that there's many seeds out there from trees that have to be burned by fire in order to germinate or begin to grow. And I found that really unique because of the environment they're in. There's a lot of fires. And majority of the time, a fire destroys. But in these particular times, such as in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, nobody would have heard of them if they hadn't gone into the fire. Just like those great... uh, there's a eucalyptus trees are one of them. They're great trees. They have great leaves. Their great uh, leaves are used for great medicinal purposes, as far as treating sinuses and everything like that. But if those trees hadn't gone through the fire, if their seeds hadn't gone through the fire, they wouldn't be there. And I like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because. The king commanded that they, be, that they bow down to the golden image in which he had created. And they wouldn't. They denied the most powerful king in the area at the time. And he said, if you don't, I'm going to throw you in this fire. And they said, our God will deliver us. But even if not, we will not bow down. Mm-hmm. And what really gets me is a couple of verses later, it says that uh, the king cranked the fire seven times harder than normal and said that he had his mightiest soldiers his mightiest warriors throw 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. And the mightiest soldiers that the mightiest king had fell because of the heat of the fiery furnace. But when they were thrown into there, uh, the king saw that there was four men. He said, the fourth looked like it was the son of God. And when they came out, it said that the fire had no power on them. Even though the uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, when he had them thrown into the fire, his mightiest people died. But the fire had no power over the servants of the Most High God. It's because they were put into the fire. And a lot of times it takes us going into the fire to realize that God's hand and his protection is around us even in the hottest fires that we go through in, our, in the, the seasons of our life. And when we come out of the fire, we realize, like, man, he, he was really there every step of the way. Yeah. I saw flames everywhere, and none of them touched me. Yeah, because it, inevitably, I think that, it doesn't say this, but, you know, just human nature, inevitably, I believe that surely there was a bit, of, some, some bit of doubt in the minds of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're like, look. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said, you know, even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. we're still gonna tr- we're still gonna worship our God, because yeah. you know, I it, forgive me if you guys disagree, and you're welcome to chime in and say so. No. But I think that no matter how devout you are, no matter how much time you spend with God in His Word, worshiping, I think that it's it's just written into our DNA to have doubt. You know, it's right. flesh. You know, it's it's our flesh. We wake up every day, and your flesh is renewed, and you have to you have to slay it again the next day by making decisions to to actively follow Christ and to yeah. to uh, submit that sort of thing to God. So I believe that when they said, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to worship your God. We're going to worship our God, and even if He doesn't save us you know, we're still going to worship our God. Yeah. You know, and so I think that serves, that that's really relevant to people nowadays, even Christians, you know, as we're going through our seasons of rebuilding, our seasons of breaking down and mourning and sadness, and yeah. we're waiting for God to help us make our way back into a season of getting or a season of development. Um you know, that helps us to to realize that we're not the only people that doubt. You know? yeah. And that just because we have doubt doesn't mean that God says, oh, well, you don't believe I can do it, so I'm not going to. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that, you know, that serves whenever we make it out of those seasons, that serves as a reminder, kind of like you were mm-hmm. saying to them, that even though I wasn't certain I still made. The, I still went, took a step of faith, and I believed that my God was going to do what He said He was going to do. And now I can look back at that season and say, I thought that season was going to kill me, yeah. but I had a promise, and He told me it wasn't going to. And now I can believe Him, and I can walk in that promise. I can walk in that favor, and I can walk in that confidence. You know, even if we get inevitably get met with another season of doubt, another season of adversity. We can look back and say, you know, just like the Bible tells us, he's never lost a battle and he's never going to. That's right. It reminds me of uh, David. David went through so much adversity from being a shepherd boy, fighting a lion, fighting a bear. Then 
going into battle to fight Goliath, in which the whole army of Israel was scared of. Mm -hmm. And here he comes. He was originally there to bring them lunch. And all he had on him was a, was a slingshot. And King Saul offered David his armor. He said, I can't even walk in this. And the Goliath and Saul both told him, he said, you're a buddy of you. Mm -hmm. He said, but I come in the name of the Lord. And he slayed the giant, which everybody was afraid of. And he was able to finish off Goliath with his own sword. He took the weapon that the enemy tried to kill him with and killed the enemy with it. And then going on, uh, even after that, Saul eventually turned his back on David and was consistently pursuing him, trying and trying and trying to kill David. But David was hiding in the caves, and in the caves he made his mighty armies, made his mighty men. And he wrote the majority of the Psalms in the caves. And he went on, he kept dealing with adversity his whole life, but yet through all the adversity he became, as the scripture says, a man after God's own heart. Yeah. And I believe it's the adversity that can mold us if we allow it to, to become more like Christ. Mm -hmm. Because Christ himself dealt with adversity. And the scripture says he came among his uh, own and his own accepted and not. He was acquainted with grief. He bore, our, uh, he bore our sins and iniquities. He was very acquainted with depression and anxiety. So much that, as you mentioned earlier, Kevin, that he was sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. The anxiety attack of anxiety attacks. He knows it. He's acquainted with it. And it was through all of that adversity that he, that he was able to fulfill his calling to become the risen king. He had to go through the adversity of the cross to, to give us the questions on Saturday. Is he going to raise? Is he going to raise like he said he was? Is all hope lost? And Sunday came, the one that we worship now, has all authority in heaven and on earth because he decided to face that adversity head on, to not budge. And we just can't bow down in the face of adversity. That's right. You mentioned the story of David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. While you were talking, it made me think, I have ADHD bad, and so when my <laughs> brain goes on a tangent, I just, I can't stop. I, for some reason, I just thought about, so <clears throat> the whole paradigm of David and Goliath is that the stakes were whoever wins this one-on-one -on -one battle wins the war, mm -hmm. basically. It just baffles me. How scared of this giant do these grown men have to be to place the entirety of the war on a child's shoulders? That, that, that's, that's a pretty spineless group of people. Mm -hmm. Not the most skilled warriors in combat. Nobody even gave it a shot. Nobody even tried. How scared do you have to be to not even try? Because in my mind, if I was one of those warriors, I'm thinking, you know, what happens if these Philistines, you know, get past us and make it into the into Israel and... What ha what's going to happen to my, my wife and kids? What's going to happen to my family? What's, what's going to happen to all these other families around here? But yet they were so terrified that they would put all the responsibility on a child's shoulders. Mm -hmm. And then here comes David. Do -do 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 -do. I got a slingshot. <laughs> but this is my thing. You know, while we're all... In, 
it's crazy how all the others, like you said, all the other soldiers were scared. But you know, there's seasons in a life that David didn't know. Do y'all, if with the honest truth, do y'all think David thought he would have won? Like, do you think he already he already won, or do you think he just had a shot? Just be well, honest. That's right. what, that's I what he, he thought he had a shot because okay. he had already beat a lion and a bear barehanded. That's what I'm saying. Date. I believe that David handed. walked into that battle saying, "You all see the giant that stands before us, mm-hmm. but you don't see the giant that he stands before." And that's what I'm saying. That's good. There's there's seasons in our life that you may not feel like you won the victory. David already won the break when he took that first step when nobody else did. Yeah. And there's seasons in our life that it may not look like it's victorious. I would say before that, David won that fight when he was still in the in, in the field with the sheep. Mm-hmm. Because his whole mindset was solely mm-hmm. praise and worship. That's it. And so he spent time wrapping his own mind around who God is. Yeah. And that's what he told himself every day is who God is. And so how how many of the psalms did David write in that field? A lot. Quite a few. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how how what what shift is going to happen in our own minds of daily what hey. we did to occupy our mind is to tell God who he is to us. Hey. It's just this is my thing though. Like like what like I was saying earlier like you know there's that mindset like there's just seasons in your your life that may not may not feel like you're walking to your victory season. Because mm-hmm. there's times where David didn't feel like he was victorious all the time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, with Saul on his back, you know. The, and, but there's times where some, I feel like there's some people think it may not look like it's your victory season. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, it's like when going from winter mm-hmm. to spring. Yeah. You know, in Mississippi, I know in October, there's feel like it's, it's supposed to be cold. But it feels so hot. Like last week, it was so hot. Mm-hmm. You know, and right, just like that. It's cold right now. It's supposed to be, I know, 30 degrees. It's like, my God. <laughs> and here I am wearing shorts. <laughs> I guess <laughs> next me, week, I'm calling in tomorrow. <laughs> to but, me, I, I, would, I would venture to say that for me in my life, my life is, it's easier for me to keep my mindset focused on God Whenever I'm I'm struggling, mm-hmm. whenever I'm doing well, way. when I'm doing well and things are going my way, it's a whole lot harder for me to focus on God. I feel like we as people, Absolutely. I'm I'm the very same Absolutely. way, because where everything's going just fine, I I guess my flesh or my mind just yeah. goes away because I'm not I'm feeling like I need a soul to depend on Him. Yeah, and you feel like you, okay, we're on flat ground now. I ain't got to grab a harness, grab a hold of this harness that's been yeah. holding me up this whole time. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Where man. some people will curse God for being in a, in a low place, mm-hmm. I feel like it's easier to look towards God. But whenever I'm doing well, I'm thinking, man, I did such a good job. I'm doing so well right now. And I, I'm, yeah, you start to walk on what you think is your own self righteousness. Mm-hmm. See, like, right, yeah, right there, like you know, I, from experience, you know, like y'all saying, you feel like you're doing a great job, you know, in this. Look at what I did for myself. <laughs> Look what I. But at the same time, mostly me. Like you know, if and we're being, I'm being honest right here. There's there's times where you feel like, man, everything's going so smooth. 
I feel like there's nothing to worry about. But it's like, have you heard the things you do in secret? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying I, I but this, this is this is a thick. There's some things like we might do in secret that affect us in our season. Of course. Mm-hmm. And like I, and there's things like I had to let go of that may have put pleasure to me, and that for me to walk in the season that God has promised me to do. Mm-hmm. See, that's one thing we gotta realize. For see, God has a season for us that He wants us to walk into. Mm-hmm. But for sometimes for us to walk in that season, we got to let go of things that pleasure to our flesh, mm-hmm. and and you like okay, I'm doing that such a good job, but so, but God's telling no, it's always uh, but God's I, you got you got to let that go. You yeah. got to let that go. We got and a lot of times that becomes stronghold. It's almost like one of the extending the leashes that you put on the dog, mm-hmm. and devil will let you go. So long, then all of a sudden he wants to pull on that stronghold that you haven't re- uh, released yourself from. You haven't had God break that stronghold, mm-hmm. and he'll hit the button and it'll snag you back. Because mm-hmm. it's when you think you're doing good, when you think you're about free from it, when you end up falling, because you start thinking, "I'm good now, I'm good now," then you end up getting humbled really quick by oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would say the hardest days of my spiritual walk are always Sunday night and Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Because it's just whenever I've gotten back into it, you know, I get refilled. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm I'm happy. I, I went to church. I'm good. You know, I, I feel encouraged. And then here comes that little test. Yeah, there's that little Lego block. Step on that. Make sure you keep your tongue bit. <laughs> you know, you're walking through the house late at night. Now your kid left a, a, a Hot Wheel in the middle of the floor. And now you step on it, all four of them wheels go straight out from under you. Now you kick the back of the couch and the back of your head hits the hits the floor. Ooh, try not to say that for a little word. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to do. Like, oh, I just lost a little bit of my Jesus. I just got, you know. And, or it's little things like you go to work on th- Thursday morning after you just got went to church and had a good time. You, your mind's right. Thursday morning, things that should have been done Wednesday, Wednesday before you got off work, what you expected to do. Thursday morning, you come in, nothing happened. Now you got a you got a deadline on Thursday afternoon. You got to be done, and now the guy that's supposed to do that work won't answer his phone. Mm-hmm. Straight to voicemail, won't pick up. And now everybody, everything inside of you that wants to get things done, you start starts riling up a little bit. You have to control your anger. You don't want to control your anger because the only people, only thing people respond to is when you get angry. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, this morning, for example. Uh, I've been really pushing in ever since this past Wednesday. Been really pushing in, pressing in. I feel like I've been doing good. And all of a sudden, this morning after a fresh refill from yesterday, uh, going to work and the previous shift didn't set us up like we always set them up, and it kind of. It kind of gets to me sometimes. And first thing in the morning, people are asking a hundred different questions. And I'm trying to catch up with what what all has gone wrong and trying to fix that while I'm trying to set up, set myself up for the day, to set myself up for success. I feel like that's one of those tests that you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. are you really going to de- uh, depend on me? And a lot of times, whatever that happens, I'll just step out on the yard at work and... I was kneeling down outside, like, Lord, help me in this. Like, Lord, just 
give me peace in this stressful situation and just guide me through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, when Pastor was preaching yesterday, I was reading a little further up and down the chapter um, that he was reading in, and I believe it was Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And on my Bible app on my phone, I tend to like to read the CJB, which is the Complete Jewish Bible, which is compiled by Messianic Jews that speak actual Greek and Aramaic. They actually speak Hebrew. And so they went back through with the understanding of, I speak Hebrew, I'm going to read it and translate it in a modern version. Uh, and so I, I tend to like like to read this. Um, but I thought it was really cool how um, in Ecclesiastes, um, this verse in particular, it says, but um, for the laughter of fools is like the crackling of thorns and burning under a pot, this too is pointless. But oppression can make a wise man stupid. Also, a gift can can destroy understanding. The end of something is better than its beginning, so the patient are, are better than the proud. But don't be quick to get angry, for only fools nurse anger. Don't ask why the old days were better than now, because that's a foolish question. Wisdom is good, along with possessions, an advantage to all who see the sun. For wisdom is a shelter, and money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom keeps the one who has it alive. And so, down to 14, when things are going well, enjoy yourself, but when things are going badly, consider that God made the one alongside the other so that people would learn nothing of their futures. Like, it it sounds a little like Proverbs, Mm-hmm. But it's it's not proverbial. It's it's Ecclesiastes, and it, it's it's saying in due seasons and everything give there's balance. And I know both of them were written by Solomon. For the majority of proverbs, there's some that are written by other authors. But Solomon, being the wisest person to ever live according to the Scripture, he also gives proverbial. Uh, saying such as that, mm-hmm. they have so much wisdom in such such few words. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, like you're saying, there's due seasons for everything. He explains it so well through throughout. There's times for peace and times for wars. Uh, we is there you talking about or somebody that's talking to at work today? Talking about everything that's going on now. There's times for peace and there's times for war. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes, especially for spiritual peace and spiritual war, there's times for it. And I know as we're, when we start pressing in, the enemy starts rising up his defenses. Yeah. And starts attacking back because he sees that we're about to put a full-on attack towards him. Mm-hmm. I notice when, I'm, when I start doing good in my prayer life, when I start reading a lot more than normal, the when I start pressing in, the enemy starts throwing everything he's got at me because he starts shaking in his boots, so to speak. Yeah. I like how you said that, and and it, we're all we're all being honest. This is a for those that we're this is this is truth. We're we be we're gonna be completely honest with you. And if I'm being honest, um, I believe it was what, last Sunday where I, me and Mariah got prayed for, and and I can be honest with you guys. Is we can be honest with mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, but. For those who don't know, Mariah is my fiance, and I love her to death. 
And I like how you say, like, when you get, it's like when you gain traction. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when you gain traction, you just hit a bump on the road. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, like, I want to say this. I, I want to say this to encourage somebody. When I proposed to her, mm-hmm. you know, I, it was the most, one of the best days of my life. Something is a core memory in me. And, you know, because I love her. We both have our, got dreams in the ministry. Mm-hmm. We'll put, posture our hearts towards God. Something we want to, you know, start our own, you know. And, but it didn't turn out how we thought it would end. You know what I mean? Like, the perspective afterwards, like, oh, it's going to be such a happy, his headlines going to be happy flowers. It did not go like that. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, with their, through that time I proposed to her, it just felt like the enemy has attacked us so hard. And, because I feel like, in it's just, we've been, we was going through so, so much. It's just feel like we can't catch a break. It's like, one week. And like, God, we I feel like we just feel like we're doing good. Like you say, we feel like we're getting traction. Like we'll gain traction and not lose traction. We gain traction, lose traction. And, Last Sunday, when Pastor Justin said, "Today is your day," I said, "Okay, it's that that moment right there. I made my mind up. I, t- I looked at her. I, I, I was this. I looked at her in that in the pew. Said, "Today is your day. Today's our day." And but like I said, like when, ever since I proposed, it just feel like hell has broken all over us. I couldn't tell you what we went through this. I I think three months, and. That Sunday when past that new season, when he laid hands on us, I never felt, you know that feeling where relief has come upon, off you? I never felt relief off me better than any day than Sunday. Because I kept looking at her, today is our day. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, I wasn't playing... I, my plan was go, and I got in that mind. My mindset was when I first got to church, okay, it's a normal Sunday. I get on stage. I sing, get down, have a couple of claps. No, no, no. I, I said, no, I can't think like that. I can't think like religion because mm-hmm. this season I'm in needs to break, and I feel like I need to break it. And when he said, today's your day, I looked at it's our day. I wasn't planning on getting prayed for, you know, this I all I did what I raised my hand and that moment when he called us, he laid hands on us. He I just felt relief and I ever since then it's just that like you say that when you get going mm-hmm. it's like you being attacked. But I like what you said you gotta keep the eye on the ball sometimes through your season. Yeah just remember that uh the devil's never going to attack what he's not afraid of. Yeah, like what Brother Perry at our church says a lot. If you never run into the devil, you're probably going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. But if you're constantly butting heads with him, that means you're going in the right direction. You just got to keep pressing in like y'all are doing. You just got to keep pressing in, keep praying together, keep reading the Word together, keep studying together, keep teaching together. And that's what's going to grow you as a marriage and grow you as children of Christ. 
And one thing I taught at my brother's wedding is love is it's a very common teaching, but love is like a triangle. The closer you get to God, the closer you become to each other. And the enemy's going to try to get in one path or the other and try to stop that, especially when there's a couple that's wanting to go into ministry together. And they're not just wanting to be on... Be along for uh, be along for the ride on the other's ministry, but y'all want to teach together. Y'all want to preach together, and the enemy's afraid of that because of the anointings on y'all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now I know that's the most powerful uh, ministries that I've I've ever seen are are the ones where uh, a husband and a wife can work together in ministry move um, I mean revivals happen so much easier because you know you're, it's, a, it's a twofold chord you're working in harmony and, and you're working in unison it's, and, and it's beyond it's just it's, it's, I mean honestly it's like it, I feel like I don't know because both our hearts are in the same posture towards him because mm. like you know I never you know it's just feel like whenever, it's just like the, I guess because I can best I can say I feel like our when our we when we put our we got our same focus towards him. You know, it's felt like a season where he's trying to split us. You know what I mean? Like trying to like we're not meant to be because, like I said, it was like ever since we got together, it's felt like attack. Like y'all don't need to be together because, and, and what somebody said the reason why he wants to do that because y'all in a season of test. Mm-hmm. It's test. Because yeah. the devil don't want kingdom changers like y'all. And I just want to tell somebody that. When you feel like you're test in your most doubtful season, you keep pushing. For young couples out there, I want to tell you this. Put your heart towards God. Focus your heart towards Him. Because the devil feel, fears young couples. Young couples who have their heart to God. Well, let me tell you something about this real, real, real quick. Um, the notion of soulmate doesn't exist. It, the only person that was made for someone individually was Eve was made for Adam, and that's it. Now, with relationships, it's all about work and how much you get out of it is how much you put into it. And and what, what God sets in stone through marriage is what it will be. If you start putting other things first, putting yourself first, putting her first, above what God has ordained, which is both of you come together in one soul and one union and praise and worship Him first. If you stop doing that and you start putting other things first, then you start seeing other instances and things where you start regretting. But I, w- I would encourage you is to say, whatever you two combine and agree together in His name mm-hmm. will be set in stone. And so as long as you keep him first, that's what it will be. But um, we've been here for almost an hour, um, hour and a half, and I think it's a, it's about a good time to close. Um, I've enjoyed it, guys. I've enjoyed our, too. our guest on the on the podcast. Hey, Jay, it's nice Thank to have you. Well, you Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if anybody wants to reach out to us, we have uh, YouTube Cross Life Bahalia on mm-hmm. YouTube, um, our YouTube channel. We have um, Cross Life Nineteen at Yahoo.com. 
um, you can we can you can reach out to us um, and on Facebook it's also Cross Life. Uh, and for those uh, in the Bahali area, our our church address address is thirty two thirteen Highway three hundred nine South Bahali, Mississippi. And for those who are listening, we got a revival coming up here this Thank November. November 17th and the 19th, Garrett Marshall will be joining us. If you haven't ever heard of him, he is a blessing to hear. Mm -hmm. He's a great man of God. All right, and we're going to add the details that Chad has given you over the message here in the description for this podcast. So if you weren't able to catch it verbally, you can look in the description and... I do be mumbling. Access us. <laughs> you can access us and send us requests for things you want us to talk about and questions and concerns. Uh, Amen. But we thank you for joining us. This has been Kevin, Caleb, Chad, and AJ.